Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Last segment of the show. We're off at 6.30 early for The Flex. It is a midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. Rocky Four, the feature of midweek movie music where my man Patrick plays songs from a certain soundtrack of a movie that inspired him. And this may be, you're talking about one of the greatest movie montage songs of all time. This is in the conversation. And also in the conversation for... Um, what's the kind of the word, the phrase? Not sports anthems, but um, great motivational sports theme songs. That's the best way I can describe it. Warm ups. Yeah, what well, exactly? Right. You put it in the warm up. Put it in the weight room when you're yeah, working there out. There you go. You can listen to pop up music. Pre game. Yeah, your pre game pop up music. You can throw what this is on it? there. Jock jams. You can. You can yeah, exactly. There it is. You can yeah. throw this on there. In between Tupac's Hit Em Up and some Bone Thugs and Harmony in my pregame music, and I, it would fit right in for me right before I went out on the field. Yeah. It would fit yeah. right in. The, the only problem with this song, though, is when it ends and you're still doing whatever you're doing, it feels a little anticlimactic. But when you're doing the yard? No, like whatever you're doing, like <laughs> like if you're, on a, if you're on a run or whatever and you're running and then the song ends, you're like, well, this is the end of the montage. That's true. Like, I should be I should be progressed already. Yeah. <laughs> I should be winning the championship at this time. I don't feel like I won a championship, so I feel like more of a loser now. Yeah. Uh, there you go. All right, so here's my Rocky rabbit hole research I did because I wanted to find out why people love the movie Rocky so much because Hart does not. He's not one of those people. Thank you. But as I pointed out, the reason it won Best Picture at the time, and I, we, we pointed out Taxi Driver, All the President's mm-hmm. Men yep. were also up for Best Picture. It was the it's it, it's known for being one of the greatest underdog movie stories in the history of Hollywood, literally and figuratively. The plot of it is all about you know the underdog and all about Cinderella. So how about this, Sylvester Stallone? So he was homeless in 1975. He had a hunt. He had 106 dollars in the bank account. That's all mm-hmm. he had to his name. Uh, now we all know Sly Sylvester Stallone is worth over four hundred million dollars, and he has a new show, Tulsa King, on Paramount. And I will say, it's not bad. It's not bad. Not bad at all. I watched it uh, first season. Not bad at all. So let's start nineteen sixty nine. So three years, uh, he was at the University of Miami. No, no, University of Miami's got some big time former some alumni history. there. Yep. Uh, Sylvester Stallone dropped out of college. Decided to move on to New York City because he's going to chase his acting dream. That's where, you know, you make it there, you can make it anywhere. The interesting part, he was born with a paralyzed face. Y'all probably see that. On that one side. And that's why he has a slurred speech. Yep. Because he had a paralyzed face that he was born with. Now, usually in Hollywood, this would be seen as a huge impediment to your Hollywood dreams, but not for Sly. Sly thought, hey, I can still make it happen. So from 1969 to 1975, most people who saw him for a audition thought... Dude, you got no shot. You're you got this slur working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you might be semi attractive, but you know, in a weird kind of way, it's got to be a lot going on there. So when he wasn't sleeping in the Port Authority bus terminal, because that was like his main place to sleep after he got evicted, he worked as a movie theater usher. 
And he cleaned lion cages at the zoo, actually. That was also one of his other part-time jobs. So he was homeless with no money to his name. Uh, he starred in a softcore porn that paid him $200. Softcore porn at the time. You still can go look it up if you want to. So he was hungry, no money to eat. He decided, man, he had a dog that was his best friend at the time, Butkus. He sold the dog. Um, and he sold the dog in front of a 7-Eleven for $40. He needed the money that bad. Sold his damn dog. That's legit. Um, so he's down on his luck. He's feeling bad. He's unable to catch a break. So he's thinking about giving up on the acting thing because he's been at it for five or six years. It just ain't working out for him. 1975, he goes to watch Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, mm-hmm. and Chuck Weppner in a fight. And it inspired him. He left just with creative juices flowing. He wrote a script in three days. He wrote Rocky right after watching that fight in three days. He said, all right, all I need now is somebody to buy the script. Need a studio to buy the script. So he pitched a script uh, about an uneducated debt collector turned champion boxer named Rocky Balboa. Doesn't sound like a great pitch to me. The only problem was, and actually he got some people to want to buy it. He pitched it pretty good. They wanted to buy it. They didn't want him in it. They're like, dude, yeah, we want the movie, but you are not a star. You got to go. You got to go. The script actually works, but you don't work with it. And they want to replace him with a popular actor. They're like, you can be a producer, but we'll, we'll need a better actor on it. And he decided, um, okay, so at, he's at 30 years old. He had just 106 dollars his name, and he was offered $360,000 for the script. That would be like $60,000. At the time, he's got yeah. no money to his name. He's sleeping in the Port Authority, the equivalent of $1.7 million today. And basically, the film would have to star someone else other than him. He turned it down. He was like, if, it, if I can't be the star of the movie that I'm writing, then I don't want to, I'm not making it. Right. It was, it was insane. All of his people, all his friends told him, dude, you are insane. You, you don't know, you, you could, you know what I mean? You, you, you don't know a blessing when it's staring you in the face. So he said, no, man, I, I really want to play this boxer. I, you know, I'm this character. I wrote the movie based on myself. So he was confident in his acting ability because he had started trying to act a little bit. He did the softcore porn, I guess was great. He accepted $25,000 for the script with the stipulation that he be the star. So $25,000 instead of $360,000. But at least he was going to be in the starring role. So he used $15,000 of that money to buy his dog back. Mm. Of the twenty five thousand, the first thing he did was go buy the dog back because he was like, "That's my best friend." Yep. And the the guy he sold it to him was being an a hole. Sold it for forty bucks. Bought it back for fifteen G's. Isn't that crazy? That's and how, how much he loved his dog. Even and even better, the dog was in Rocky. Remember the original Rocky, the mm-hmm. dog. That's the dog. That's Bud because that is his best friend that he once sold because he. Didn't have a penny to his name and bought back for fifteen thousand dollars. He's like, if I'm gonna make it big, I gotta have my best friend there with me. It don't mean a damn thing if I can't have my best friend. So went on to receive nine Oscar nominations, as we know, won three awards, including Best Picture and grossed over two hundred million dollars in the years since it has become one of the most successful film franchises of all time, making eight plus movies. And today, Sylvester Stallone, of course, worth four hundred million plus dollars. So learning how to bet on yourself. And the true underdog story. It may be the it may be the greatest underdog story in American cinema history. It turned out great for him. He did it. Got a series. Got the entire, <laughs> um, di- not dialogue catalog of Rocky movies, yeah. and got plenty more to go with it. It's a great story. So, the, yeah, so that you know, that's why I think it holds a special place in America's hearts. It's because America loves what 
the, the freaking underdog. underdog. Man, we love yeah. it. We were once an underdog country ourselves. Uh, all right, let's talk about Mel Kuyper. Uh, maybe Mel Kuyper likes the underdog. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, but he's got his latest mock draft that came out. And I guess we can start with the Dallas Cowboys first and who he's got the Dallas Cowboys taking in the mock draft. I don't know if you got a chance to look at this, Harge, but I was a little surprised that Mel Kuyper had the Cowboys taking offense uh, for their first draft pick, but going with the tight end position. Of course. Dalton Kincaid is who he has the Cowboys drafting with that 26th pick like for out of Utah. You like that? Yeah, I like, I like, like him. You, you like him or you like the pick? I don't like the pick. Okay. Yeah, well, you got two tight ends. You just got into the organization. Why are you trying to stack up with another group of tight ends? I don't understand. I think you either need to go, because we've talked about this, they need that cornerback. They need somebody in the secondary that can play, but they also need linebacker depth. You definitely need to go get a linebacker. If you can get a linebacker that can come in and impact the game right away, you go get a linebacker. You you see that, and you need other parts. You don't need another tight end. Remember Escobar? Remember when they went? Gavin Escobar? Yes. I remember him. And they kept drafting more tight ends. It's like, no, you don't need to go get no tight end. You need to go get a defensive player that is going to help you on the outside. We've been talking about somebody opposite of Trayvon Diggs. Well, if you're not going to sign Trayvon Diggs here because he's coming up on his contract time, mm-hmm. then you possibly need somebody that's going to replace him. Yeah. How about doing that? That's good to us. But I will say this. It's a really deep cornerback draft. Um, it's a, and so I'm not saying that you know you can't go get your cornerback starts a starting cornerback a starting cornerback. That's very different. Right. But when you start looking at the That's numbers, what I'm at. Uh, how about this? Uh, Daniel Jeremiah says there are 20 cornerbacks with grades with first with basically grades in the first three rounds in this draft. I still think you need to go get one if you got that opportunity so, because I don't think you need to waste it on a tight end because no, no, you can I'm definitely just, get a tight end later too. The, the draft is all about value and value of position, positional need, but also value of these positions in the draft and how deep they are. Sometimes if you're looking for really good DBs, you found Deron Bland in what, the fifth round? Yeah. So my point is do if, if, if the value of that, that, that pick at 26 does not necessarily line up with the value of the position there, um, I you know I can see them going elsewhere, Durant- saying we can find a corner in the second, third, or maybe even a fourth round potentially. Hell, the Chiefs got three; they got like three or four rookies started in their secondary. They didn't draft them all in the first round. Well, what I'm saying is the Cowboys got lucky with Deron Bland. <laughs> yes, he probably would have been there, but if Jordan Lewis doesn't get hurt and and Brown doesn't get hurt, he probably doesn't see the field right away. So they kind of found a diamond in the rough, kind of like they did with Dak, kind of like what they did with Romo. They just found guys that they lucked into. I don't know if it's a luck, but they, I mean, they drafted them. That's a, luck with the quarterbacks is just different because they were literally, we know the reports, they were eyeing Paxton Lynch and Connor Cook. For and sure. And we know that they had no intention on Dak becoming the franchise quarterback. That's why that's a happy accident. Deron Bland, they, they just. That's a happy accident, too. Not necessarily, man. They, they, they're one of the best rookie drafts in the last two or three years in the league, and they, they draft really well late. I know Cowboys fans don't like to admit that. They, Cowboys are one of the best drafted teams in the league. Yeah. They and draft that, really well, actually. It hadn't helped us. Because they're the most homegrown team in the league. They don't get any players from really free agency or anything. They get their players from the draft. They need to go get some free agents that's going to get them over the what, one more click. <laughs> you need one more click. And your click might be, need to be you go and make a splash. Because remember, they were supposed to get um, uh, Ramsey. 
And they didn't take him. Well, they weren't supposed to. They drafted a running back in the first round, and that's that's a dang coaching mistake. As a matter of fact, uh, Stephen Jones just said at the Combine recently, Cowboys vice president uh, subscribes to the philosophy of running backs not being worth the value at the top half of the draft because they are not top they're not 10-year players but he has no problem taking one at 26 he says mm-hmm. if the right guy is there and you have a need and i guess that's Bijan robinson potentially um with steven jones well, and don't say way, that to me though no no that makes sense Bijan robinson at 26 is great value Bijan robinson at six not so much right right like I said, you shouldn't be drafting running backs in the top 14 at the lottery of the nfl but after the lottery we get into the value conversation and Bijan at 26, who Daniel Jeremiah says is teams considered to be a top five player overall in the draft. Todd McShay says he's the next Saquon Barkley. Jordan Schultz says that Scout told him Bijan's the best running back in the last 10 years. That at 26, I'll take it all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. At six or four, it's not as good a value. Yeah. So That's- Cowboys at 20, with, with Pollard Hurt and you cutting Zeke, or at least you should cut Zeke. I think that's going to happen from all mm-hmm. counts that I'm hearing that he is going to get cut. But still, I sit here today and say, okay, what is the Cowboys need at 26? What is an absolute home run draft? It's not tight end. No, it ain't tight end. That it w- should be a linebacker. It could be a linebacker. It should. It should definitely be a linebacker or even a cornerback at 26. <laughs> They might even go D line or O line. Don't be surprised well, by that yeah, too. I'm cool but with you're, that you're, too. you're talking I'm about talking just about, more of a premium position. Yeah, and I, and something I totally that we definitely Un- need as an impactful pick immediately. Unless Bijan drops to you, and then you'll take. Bijan. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, 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 exactly right. Because the Cowboys that, that will make my heart so good. And the Cowboys make me feel so good. Do have an good. organizational habit of trying to draft the best player at a position wherever On they're the drafting. Board. Yeah, they they, they want to get like that's why they did it with Des Bryant. They thought he was the best wide yep. receiver. Tyron Smith thought he was the best tackle. Morris Claiborne thought he was the best corner. Travis Frederick best center. Zeke best running back. Ceedee Lamb best wide receiver. Michael Parsons best linebacker. Tyler Smith best guard. So if they see best running back. On the board, still available. They could, yep. they could very well take him. Uh, Mel Kuyper also has the Texans taking. Uh, he's got Kuyper. He doesn't specify what Texas gives up, but he has them moving up in the draft and taking Bryce Young number one overall uh, to with you know so yeah. with their number one overall pick. But he hasn't trading up. But we don't know what they get. They give up in his scenario there as well. He's yep. got Bijan going number twenty seven. To the Buffalo Bills. If Bijan gets past the Cowboys, I'm. I think I would be a little upset. Yeah. And it could easily happen, but I think I'd be a little upset because that's great value for the Cowboys. He spent so much time in Dallas. He's been <laughs> hanging out in Dallas. He's working out. I need Bijan to be a Cowboy. A if cowboy. he's any other team in the NFC and definitely in the NFC East, all bets are off. Bijan is the enemy. Uh, oh, as nice of a person as he is, Ooh. can't do it. And you know what? I just saw. We'll get into this tomorrow because we don't have a ton of time to do it now. Uh, DraftKings they did put out their best odds of teams uh, who are going to draft Bijan Robinson. So they basically they 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 put odds on every slot in the draft and what slot is best and what team is best uh, suited to draft B. John Robinson. So we'll get into that tomorrow. Okay, That'll what? be a little bit of fun. We'll drop. We'll get into that and talk about some uh, combine uh, conversations, and we'll get into some NFL news notes and nuggets. But also uh, tomorrow we'll be talking Texas 
basketball as well because a big matchup for Texas basketball versus TCU tonight. So we'll be reviewing that, hopefully reviewing a dub. Dubs up. We got the flex coming up next. We got my man Zach Lucero. We got my man Cameron Parker and the seed Nolan Hogan. They're going to have Huddle head coach Will Compton on. Uh, also in studio, they're going to have the quarterback uh, Will Hammond. Yep. Also, and the wide receiver, Alex Green, coming yeah, on. Buddy. Remember, the revolution will not be televised. we talk about it right here on Ball Don't Lie. We love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves. But more importantly, take care of each other. Peace. <laughs>